T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Fifty-three years ago, maybe you remember. <laughs> I'm old enough to remember. I was like uh, 14. And John Lennon published, he took out a full-page ad in the New York Times. And I don't know, other papers around the country, I think. Full-page ad. Huge headline. War is over. This was in the heat of the Vietnam era. War is over, exclamation. And then really small print, if you want it. Happy Christmas from John and Yoko Lennon, it said. I always wonder about people like John Lennon, people who are liberal and are fighting the corruption and the horrors of big government. He was trying to stop the Vietnam War. He was trying to avoid getting deported from the U.S., and he was a big liberal, writing songs like, Imagine how how does how do those pieces fit together? But the revolutionary side of him, I think, was brilliant. And and of course, Yoko, even though she we had to put up with the horror of her, her being included in his music at, at times. I think she was a big part of his his uh, anti-government attitude. And maybe that's why he hadn't worked it all out. All right, let's see how the ride home is going. Also anti-government is Mark Christopher in the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC, good afternoon to you. I see one. I've been searching online to try to find out how much it would cost. I don't know. I'm just curious. To get an, an original copy of the original appearance of the John and Yoko War is Over ad that they placed in into the New York Times 53 years ago. That was this week. Uh, tomorrow, actually, is the anniversary. War is over if you want it. Happy Christmas from John and Yoko. $1,650 you can buy that original for. But the, the reason I bring it up is because I, I see a parallel in terms of the marketing and the understanding of how to influence public opinion. I just think that, um, that if you look at what the Democrats are doing and how they orchestrate the conning of, of uh, the American people, how big government, you know, it's imp- 
I mostly study the Democrats and the egregious things they do, but I know Republicans are no good, too, because that's how power rolls. Power is an ugly, horrible thing. Anyway, so John and Yoko put out that ad in 1969, and two years later, two years later, they were the, the song appeared that you hear on the radio all the time this time of year. The War Is Over song. War is over if you want it. I remember I was a kid. I remember opening the newspaper and seeing that and having my stomach sink because the headline in the ad was war is over, just like the line in the song. And the impact it had on me was that I was reading an announcement in the newspaper that the Vietnam War had ended. And that's why I was I was taken by it, why I remember it so vividly from 53 years ago tomorrow. War is over. And then small letters, if you want it. But big headline. And and they used the same thing in the Christmas song. And there was such a, a brilliant marketing idea there to stick with that idea, to the empowerment of the people, that the government belongs to the people. And the bad things being done by the government are our fault if we don't stand up and require that it end. And I think their message about war is over, well, they meant the Vietnam War could end if you would only demand it. And we did demand it, and eventually it ended. Sure took a long time and wasted a lot of money and really ruined America, put America into the trajectory that we're still in of, of decomposing. We are still decomposing. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two. Lucy Middlebury. Hello, Lucy. Hey, how are you? Are you uh, are you an anti John Lennon person? Oh no, I love his music. Uh, mm -hmm. Matter of fact, I I play that <laughs> Happy Christmas song on the piano quite often. I, That's an incredible song, beat. isn't it? Yes, but John Lennon himself, and I've read a lot about the Beatles collectively and individually was not a nice guy. Um, he was a drunk. He was mean. He created nothing but problems for people, his family. I mean, look at what he did to Julian and how he basically ignored him. Yes. And, uh, and uh, you know, it's funny. I was, uh, I was nine in 69, so I'm not quite as old as, as you are. but Not as old and decrepit I, as me. <laughs> Well, you're not decrepit. Actually, you're one of the more <laughs> calm people that sit in that chair. But in any event, uh, I remember, because uh, I delivered newspapers, and I remember seeing that and uh, and then reading below it, and same thing as the last fellow, I, my heart sunk because I knew that that wasn't going to happen. You know, even as a little kid, you know, I was aware of... of where we were at in the in the country, um, but again to the Lenin guy was a real piece of work. Well, hang on a sec. Let, let's just uh, let's just add a little texture to that because your everything you're saying about him is true, and yet there was also another side of him that showed up at different times. 
right. and and I, I think there was a wonderful side of him as well. And the wonderful side was driving to uh, fight the U.S. government and get them to stop the war and um, and and doing good things and and hoping for a better world and, and putting his money where his mouth was and and yeah. campaigning for better things. And and he wanted to make up for Julian with um, the younger one. What's his name? And oh, oh, uh, Sean. So, Sean. so with, Sean with you know, with yeah. Sean, he became the house husband and stayed home for a few years and and uh, did the did the homemaker thing. So, yeah. you know, I I'm I like to be careful about about labeling people as a single thing because life is a process and we're supposed to be engaged in a process. And one of the ways we we recover from the damage done to us when we were young is to uh, sometimes to repeat the the damage to the next generation, but hopefully yeah. to catch it in time so they don't have to suffer like we did? Well, I have a, a grandchild that's in college, and, uh, you know, it's, it, he's starting to become aware that, you know, a lot of times, especially with a musician, that there's, there's a whole other person behind the persona. Yeah. And and I know maybe he's a little. I mean, I kind of knew this about the world long before 19. But to see that on his face and for him to realize, wow, this guy was really a jerk and an awful. <laughs> and and here I am. I'm I'm loving this band and I'm really looking up to him as a as a role model. And he's not a role model. Well, nobody's a role model. No, no one is. Not not when you put the know the magnifying glass i mean i'm certainly not one myself i try to be but we all fall short but and i i think that's why we like to ridicule others so much is because it, oh, yeah. it's a protection for our own faults but the key is to work on it and be and yeah. i think john worked on it he realized he was messed up and he realized why you know you can also tell your grandson about what made john that way and how his own mother didn't take care of him and, and didn't care right. for him and how he she was coming to visit him and he witnessed her being killed by a by a car a hit and run or something you know right. It, right. so you we can understand a lot of this stuff and we all understand that we're all damaged and we're all sinners and yeah, it, it's the recovery mean, yeah. from that stuff and how do we process it and what kind of kindnesses can we bestow on the next generation to make up for it well the what when the one thing i caution him with is be a little bit hesitant to who you, who's... Who you idolize. Who you'll idolize, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, I said, there's one thing that they're, that they do in front of the public. And the other thing is, too, is that's a completely manufactured band. Um, what is? I The Beatles. Oh, what do you mean manufactured? If you have not read Billy Shear's tome, actually, you... He's got two books, and looked in the backstory of this group. It will it it will blow your mind. There's, you mean uh, are are you saying that they were like a boy band that that um that George that, Martin was creating the music? Oh, absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely, yeah. Because the, the longer I'm a musician and I'm not a professional, I'm an amateur. But the longer that I'm involved in music, and the more I read, and the more I learn, the more I realize that it's it's obvious to me that they didn't pen all their songs. And if it's 
Wait, explain you know, that. Like, That's never occurred to me. Why oh would you say the God. Beatles didn't write their own songs? You need to get Billy Shear's book and read it. <laughs> it's pretty eye-opening, and for anyone that's read it, uh, their whole viewpoint on that group and that time in our history has almost completely changed. Uh, same thing with scenes from Laurel Canyon. That's another really good book about 60s and the counterculture. And the but did movement. you watch the uh, the movie about the, the Get Back movie? And Oh, yeah. So, so what you see is four guys who play really well together, write songs really well together, right. bang them out uh, spontaneously. They went into the studio without having songs finished and created an album that was spectacular. There's a whole group of people that were behind that whole machine that made it happen. And You mean they didn't tell us the true story in the movie? I grew up listening to their music. My parents almost worshipped this group. My parents were both musicians. We didn't have TV, so we played music. We all played instruments. I can tell you that there's no way that, that those four guys wrote <laughs> all that music themselves. There's well, no I but but you've got to get more specific here. We know that George Martin was there. We know that George oh. Martin was creating music along with them and guiding them maybe as the mature adult who understood music a lot better. But, well, but it's like it's like Led Zeppelin. They're a great group until you see them live and you realize that they're a, a studio band all day long. That they're yeah. Well, I was maybe too dumb in high school when I saw them. I thought they yeah. were. I thought they were great live. I was, you know, I wasn't old enough to go see them actually. But my point being is that um, there's always a lot more to something when you look behind the scenes. No, I understand, but you're you're I mean, not Paul filling in the blanks Paul. here. Paul is what? Paul, right now, Paul, right now, Paul McCartney. Is this not Paul McCartney? Yeah, but nobody is after they get out of their prime years. I'm talking about it. it isn't, Paul McCartney died, according to Billy Shears, in 1966. Oh, so the Paul is dead is real, and this guy's an imposter well, for you the know past... Something? I fought against people who told me that, and then I read Billy Shears' book. Who is Billy I, Shears? He's... Paul Who is Martin. the one and only Billy Shears? Well, there's actually three fellows that played him that I don't know to this day, but one of them was a man named Vivian Stanton. Lucy, the Beatles are a conspiracy theory? No. They were a group. They were a group that had a lot of talent. They had help. But, but there's nothing, a, it's not a criminal a offense to have help. They're, from a musician standpoint, if you... Sit one weekend, listen to their music, go back and re-listen to it, and research this these four guys, who they are, what they were, what they knew. They they did not possess that level of. It's not necessarily talent because most of their music is just a lot of hooks, but it had there were other people that had a hand in that group. Absolutely. Are they incredibly talented people? Yes. But first off, you look at this 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 fellow now who's playing Paul McCartney, which is almost three inches taller than Paul was. <laughs> so I don't I'm not so just from that aspect alone. Oh yeah. This is so great. Research it. 
This I mean, I didn't great. mean to get off the Lennon thing, but... No, I love it. I love it. This is fascinating. I've bar. never, in my 60 years of enjoying the Beatles, nobody has ever said that before. Are you, to you? I've Seriously. never heard, I've never heard it, read it. Wow. Nothing. Get, get Billy's book. Give it a read. <laughs> is Billy get Shears a person? Book. You said there are three of them. Uh, well, there's Vivian Stanchel, um, who's the fellow from Death Cab for Cutie, which I... I but is there a real person named Billy Shears, or is that a construct? Yes, 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 yes. So, there's a lot to it. You Are you Lucy in the do. Sky with Diamonds? No, no, not okay. at all. And that's not even my name, it's just the name I picked. Okay. But anyhow... Um, <laughs> I suggest through this holiday break that you read that book, and I will call you when you're done reading it, Yeah, and we'll talk about it. Wow. And I'm going to tell you something. You're an intelligent guy. You're, one of, to me, one of the more centered guys that's on that radio station at the moment. <laughs> the, the younger fellow this morning with his uh, complaining about Ocean State job lot, he gets, he gets a little off. Uh, on his tangents there a little bit too much. But in any event, read it, and we'll talk. Okay. Because I'm very interested, because I've been following you and listening to you for quite a few years. Be very interested what your take is on All right. It will be, when I have the ammunition to do battle with you, it and will you be fun. And you can get it, listen, from the free library. So, so get it out of the free library. Okay. And, and what's right. it called? Um... Well, just I would just look for it up on the internet, Billy Shears. Okay. His his more recent book is called Billy's Back, and it actually shows you uh, a picture of the backside of him. But um, it's crazy it's, stuff. It's, it's I... a very interesting read. He has very little nice things to say about the actual Paul, the fellow he replaced. All right, all right. Thank you, Lucy. We've got enough. I've got to get to a traffic update and news and all that stuff. Thank you so much for the call, though. That was fascinating. We're going to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. 
something from the Todd Feinberg Show, listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. I never heard about these Billy Shears books. I've got to talk to uh, Shattuck about this. Because uh, because uh, he's a big Beatles fan, too. And I would think he would have... The Memoirs of Billy Shears, I guess that's it. Read this book as the ultimate Beatles fantasy tour of their magical mystery. For those who do not already have these chapters of the Memoirs of Billy Shears, it sets you on your journey through their alternate reality that runs parallel to traditional thinking. Well, that's what we like to do. We like to run parallel to traditional thinking because traditional thinking is so uh, confined and confining and traditional. doesn't tell you about what's going on now. It told you what people want you to believe about what used to go on. This is coverage of the hearings, Dan Abrams and Good Morning America. John just said it. This is the, the committee urging the Justice Department to charge Trump. Ultimately, it is up to the DOJ. So does this move by the committee recommending these charges matter? What does it amount to? It, it doesn't matter in terms of the... I love that. It doesn't matter. matter? What does it amount to? It, it doesn't matter in terms of their conclusions. In fact, I would argue that the Department of Justice may not even want this because it, it, it gives the scent of politicization, which is the last thing that the DOJ wants. But, but this is all coordinated. So why would the Democrats in Congress do something that the Democratic president and his Justice Department might be opposed to. Isn't this all orchestrated, this little performance? But what is significant is the testimony, the evidence that the January 6th committee has gathered. All of that becomes available to the DOJ to use in a possible prosecution. And I think that's the key distinction there, the evidence versus the conclusions that they drew. But the conclusions, so maybe it's a two-part process. You indoctrinate the American people into anti-Republicanism, anti-Trumpism, and you indoctrinate the Justice Department by dumping all this data into their laps that was developed for them. But the Justice Department is the biggest prosecutorial law firm in the world, isn't it? Why couldn't they do all this investigating on their own? Why is the performative aspect, the TV show, the national TV show, the one-sided presentation of the Democrats' perception of Donald Trump, why is that necessary if the Justice Department can do the job of prosecution. Very curious, isn't it? Very interesting, this whole dynamic. But I do have to confess I'm more intrigued about the Beatles and the idea that that uh, they didn't make the music, <laughs> which Lucy is suggesting. I don't know. i got to read the book. The Billy Shears Memoir. It's fascinating. There is a suggestion that is helpful to us in what Lucy is saying, and that is that nothing is as it seems. Everything is a con to some degree. Everything is packaged to some degree. And we've got to be ready to go figure out what it is.
and particularly with government because government is in the job of stealing our power from us so they can do what they want with it and that requires them to be creating illusions and conning us 860-522-9842 we'll do the rants in about a half hour 860-751-4698 now back to the todd feinberg show live from the nj diet studios on wtic news talk 1080 Yeah, well, I can't, I can't solve the, uh, the Billy Shears thing while I'm on the air, as much as I would like to. You know, we're going to do the rants in the next half hour, after the 5 o'clock top of the hour stuff. 860-751-4698, if you want to call in a rant, you may do so. Let's go to Red Janky. He's an old guy, uh, old enough to know better. Red, do you have any uh, knowledge about this? Beatles conspiracy theory? Uh, I'm, I'm, I really don't. Uh, Billy Shears, um, is, is he supposed to be the conspirator? Apparently, you know, in 1966, I think it was, there was a rumor that, that became kind of a world phenomenon. At least in the U.S., it was a big thing. As a matter of fact, F. Lee Bailey, who was a famous attorney at that time, did a oh, TV yeah. investigation of whether Paul was actually dead. And there was a place on the album where you could play it backwards or something, and you could exactly. hear Paul going, Paul is a dead man, miss him, miss Oh, I guess that was George or John. Remember that? I do remember that. And, and that struck me. At the, I mean, I remember it became quite, uh, quite a marketing ploy. Um, if it was, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, it did seem that that stuff was there. Well, I think we know that Paul's not dead. Well, we just had a caller uh, who maybe you caught the tale of, Lucy, who said that Paul did die and that he was replaced by Billy Shears. And Billy Shears wrote a book about it, The Memoirs of Billy Shears. And she said, haven't you read that? You haven't read that, she said. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh, no, there was a conspiracy theory about the Beatles 60 years ago. 57 years ago, and I didn't know about it all these years. I've just been thinking they were a band. Now, I knew that George Martin was a really talented uh, and sophisticated musical guy who came out of the classical world. And you can hear those elements in the music when, I don't know, there's one song where there's, there's just like a, I don't know, some kind of brass instrument playing along with Paul. And, you know, you can tell there are adults in the room, but she's saying they got help writing the songs and they didn't write all those brilliant songs themselves. And so I don't know what to believe. I'm, I'm Maybe I'll give up. I don't know. Yeah, um... There's a huge difference between um, I want to hold your hand in terms of musicality. Oh, sure. And the later stuff, the Sgt. Pepper stuff, to be yes. sure. But they were they got into drugs before Sgt. Pepper's happened. And, you know, they were living life at the, at the speed of light. And, and those early songs were also brilliant. They were very different, but they had a sparkle to them that was unique. Yeah. Um, but they were pretty straightforward. It's it's somewhat like the Beach Boys, who um, you know, the little old lady from Pasadena versus the songs on Pet exactly. Sounds. Yes, I mean there's a world of difference there. So it doesn't require a conspiracy. Of... No, 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 no. It's just it's just the maturation of some brilliant uh, musical minds, and I do think George Martin was a genius. 
Um, and I think without George Martin, uh, the Beatles would not have been what they were. Um, they would I think there's been. no question. And if you yeah. listen to the the music they were making when they were, I don't know, a year before they became big, maybe, in the Cavern Club, playing in the Cavern Club, there's no sign in what you hear that this they were going to be the greatest band in history. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't know exactly when they hooked up with George Martin, but, uh, you know, they went from the cave over to Berlin, and I think I have it right, that they were playing something like 14 hours straight in a strip club. Yeah. They and, were working hard and, and taking speed to be, to be able to... Uh... To, to do all the performing they needed to. But your point is a valid one. If you do that six days a week or seven days a week, uh, you're going to be go through a transformation in terms of your ability to play. Yeah, I mean, it's the old 10,000 reps. We're talking to Red Janky. We don't usually talk about about music and stuff, but the, you're, you're good at this, Red. Yeah, no, I, it, this is much more fun. Let's stay on music. I'm... By, by the way, full full disclosure, um, I'm not a musician. I don't play any instrument. I'm not an expert. I've never composed, you know, three notes. Uh, so I'm just a musical fan. Um, but, you know, the, I do listen to, um, you know, pet, both Pet Sounds and the later Beatles with a completely different ear than I listened to um, aforementioned uh, Little Old Lady from Pasadena and and uh, I want to hold your hand. Um, I, I never got pet sounds. I don't find it compelling, and I don't understand why it gets treated as, and why it inspired, apparently, the Beatles and stuff to feel they had to compete with the Beach Boys. Well, you know, I don't think that pet sounds is, I, I don't think, um, you know, the, Beatles, the, the Beach Boys, um, Brian Wilson um, had a a collaborationist like George Martin, so I would agree with. Or you even that. like John Lennon. I mean, he was he was uh, more on his own in terms of yeah. the genius category. That's a yeah. good point. But yeah. but I just mean that that musicians talk about Pet Sounds like it was some stunning accomplishment, but I don't hear the hooks. There there was a song that I thought had that kind of power in, in it. I can't remember which song it was. It wasn't Good Vibrations, but it was of that ilk, and it they recorded it. Brian Wilson was um, had had his his swimming pool emptied of water, so they could all lay in the bottom of it and get a particular sound he wanted. Do you remember that story? Does that ring a bell for you? No, no, no. I don't know that story, but um, it it doesn't sound uh, uh, incredible. It sounds like something they they might have done. I mean, Brian Wilson has always been on the on the on the edge of of um, yes. on the edge. Literally. He was obsessive about uh, making sure he got just the sounds. Yeah, that he but, you wanted. Know, what I'd like to say about the Beach Boys is um, their lyricist, who was not any of the Beach Boys, but their lyricist on Pet Sounds, I think, is completely underrated, unrecognized, and has not been due credit. Been due credit. Who wrote the lyrics? Was it not Brian? Was it the cousin? Uh, no, it was it was a third party. And really? I don't remember his name, but I find the lyrics to be just compelling. Um, 
I, you know, I didn't know we were going to talk about this, so I don't have anything at my fingertips. And if I were to go and try and Google on my computer screen as we talk, I'd, I'd never get there. But the, the lyrics on Pet Sounds are really compelling, and they're just some just really moving uh, songs about love. Um, and, and maybe it's that the musicians have have been listening to Pet Sounds and been taken in by the lyrics as much as by the music, and um, and have and have then thereby rated um, Brian Wilson on a on a par with George Martin. Um, the the song I was thinking about was Heroes and Villains, the the swimming pool recording. No, it, it that doesn't uh, ring a bell. Oh, that's I, that's my favorite Beach Boys song. Check it out, Red. I will. I will. And and you get the album and check out uh, some of these. Um, you know, I I think uh, wouldn't it be great uh, if we were married? I think that's that's just a great wouldn't it, song. Wouldn't I don't it be know nice? That's on Pet Sounds. That may be before Pet Sounds. Wouldn't it be nice? Was on the earlier side. I think sixty. Yeah, sixty six. That came out. Yeah. And that's a great song. I mean, it's just, it captures teenage love Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't think, you know, there are many other songs on a par. I I would say the same thing about uh, In My Rooms, which which captured uh, teenage loneliness and angst and confusion, which came out in 63. Yeah, and I think that stuff is really compelling. Uh, I wonder if the Beatles actually wrote all the Beach Boys songs. Maybe that's what they were doing while somebody else was writing their songs. <laughs> we can get uh, we can get uh, <laughs> into uh, conspiracies like uh, peeling an onion is what you're suggesting. Yes, it's it's the old what's Churchillian uh, phrase that it's an enigma wrapped in the mystery uh, contained in a um, conundrum or something like that. Was was there a since you are a fan of this era of music, is there something else that had as much impact on you in terms of pop music? In a in a nanosecond, Van Morrison. Van Beyond Morrison his that that first album that had Moon Dance and everything. Moon on. Dance is just a fabulous, fabulous album. Yeah, I mean the music is a wonderful combination of rock and jazz. Um, he's he's a great singer. Um, his his um, in it, one song um, title captures kind of the entire um, magic, I think, of of Van Morrison, which is into the mystic. He's, mm-hmm. he's a total mystic. He's just a very soulful, mystical guy. Do you know what happened to him? Did he Was he so successful with that album that he never aspired for or never really tried for success again? You know, no, he's, he's been moderately successful after that album. Um, they're, they're, he put out, he's, he was very prolific. Um, after that album, he may have had one or two others that were that were pretty big albums, but mm-hmm. but not at all like the Beatles, of course, and not like the Beach Boys, and um, obviously not like the Rolling Stones, who are going to 
rock into into their 90s or something. <laughs> I mean, yes, but nice. he's kind of the opposite of the Stones. He had Moondance, which was so huge, and still gets so much airplay that yeah. that he belonged in that moment in most people's minds. And a lot of I, you know, I was big into music when I was a kid, and I remember that album, but I never had an album beyond that. Yeah, no, Van I, I agree. I mean, I was a Van Morrison uh, devotee, and I had, uh, you know, a, an abstruse album by the name of Veden Fleece. Um, he had, um, I'm trying to think, um, but the song titles Into the Caravansary, I mean, it's it's just, he brings a lot of, and I guess it's uh, Irish kind of folk and myth to his music and into the mystic. And, you know, it's, he's got the foghorn blows, and, and it's kind of like uh, a song about a, a fisherman who goes out uh, and, you know, is he coming back? And it's, it's, it, it's a metaphor for, for a lover and whether they're coming back. And I, I, I absolutely love, Moondance, the album, and I, that, you know, that, that old phrase, you had me at hello, um, Van Morrison had me at Moondance, and I've never left his side. Anything he does, I'll listen to and enjoy, even if I know it's not anything great. Um, so, yes, it didn't take me long to say, um, when you asked, who who from that era was a favorite of mine. Cool. N- then you got Stevie Wonder. I mean, Stevie, Stevie was, Wonder did some, again, yeah, wonderful did. things. He did. And he did some things that went way off the beaten path. Um, there was some... What was that double album he did? Songs in the Key of Life. Remember yeah, that and one? That was great. And, and then he had kind of an album about, about plants. I don't remember the, the exact title, but it was... The secret. Yeah, I don't think I ever watered that one. <laughs> there you go. But you know, it's it's uh, um, there's a restaurant down here um, where people go for birthdays because the net, the restaurant has a signature of of recognizing birthdays not only with um, whatever cake sparklers with um, candles you candles. can't blow out. Yeah, but they play, you know, Happy Birthday by Stevie Wonder or another, there are about three great birthday rock and roll hits. And the actual restaurant owner is a musician himself, and he is he's French, mm-hmm. believe it or not. And he has recorded his own birthday song. That's pretty cool. Really All right, Red, good. I'm sorry I've got to hold you there. We've talked right up to the end of the segment. So I, uh, thank thank you I, for being so spontaneous. Happy Christmas. I won't see you next week. I'll Merry be Christmas, Happy New Year, and all that good stuff. And uh, I guess we reconvene in 2023. If all goes well, we shall. Red Janky, thank you for the Beatles talk and such. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 
plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.